This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at standupforthetruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in. A lot of important topics we're going to get to today. Um, I will say one of them, at least, is, is quite disturbing, and that's what's happening just up north. In Canada, they have what's called the MAID Act or legislation. It's medical assistance in dying. You heard that right, assistance in dying, I I believe funded by the government. We will talk a little bit about that and how that might come to America. And um, we're just going to get Tim's story. uh, For those of you that haven't heard him when he was on the podcast previously, Uh, Mary, I know you have a lot of uh, questions because you've read about how um, he was just keeping his church open and got arrested. And mm-hmm. then you thought, wait a minute, that's why. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah. governments will come against the church and against those who would speak the truth. And, and here we are. We're living in very different times. So I want to introduce uh, Pastor Tim Stevens. He's the pastor of Fairview Baptist Church in Calgary. And he was arrested at least two times for holding church services in obedience to Christ, leading the congregation and ministering in spite of government orders or restrictions on worship. And uh, he started in 2014, and um, it's just such a blessing to have him back. He's one of the men that uh, really encourages other pastors, and we need church leaders to be strengthened and encouraged in their faith and what, when they watch what other people do in taking a stand. So, Pastor Tim, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Well, it's so great to be here, David. And thanks for your time today. Um, so we've got uh, Mary Danielson, uh, our co-host. She wasn't here the last couple times we had you on and did not hear your story. She's read about it, and so she knows the details. But for our listeners that are newer to the podcast, um, they would love to hear what happened, how you handled it. And my question would be, what have you learned? What would be a takeaway from what did you learn about the government? What did you learn about a certain portion of your church um, and just just share with us uh, your your preaching and your decision to go against the government at that time. Yeah, during obviously during COVID lockdowns, two weeks to flatten the curve turned into two years, and <laughs> just to flatten church and economy and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but we we became convinced early on that uh, the church needed to gather. This is the body of Christ. Christ has called us to gather. He he is our Lord, and uh, and and to do so. You know, just understanding the different risks and, and such that were involved, the different people that were there. We certainly weren't forcing people to uh, either come or not come or, or say distance or not distance, but allow allow people to act according to their own conscience and, and make that choice to come to church. And that went that happened for a while, but then soon the authorities found out that we were gathering, and uh, you know, each week it seemed they continued to ratchet up the pressure through fines and other threats, until the courts got involved and court orders were issued and then the possibility of jail time. And then in the, in the spring and into the summer of 2021, uh, I was arrested twice and spent two, two short stints in jail for a total of 21 days, uh, simply for, for gathering together as, as a church. This wasn't, uh, this wasn't some kind of political coup meant to bring down the government. This was faithful believers gathering together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And, uh, and looking back at that, it just shows, um, it really awakened to my mind how, how big and how powerful the government has become and how they, they take it upon themselves to think that they ought to regulate every single area of our lives. Yep. 
I know in our in our location, um, for for months upon months at end, maybe more than half a year, uh, you weren't allowed to have anybody in your home that wasn't part of your immediate who was living in that home. And and I was just thinking, how how can the government think that they have the prerogative mm-hmm. yeah. and, the, and the right mm-hmm. to even forbid someone coming over for Christmas dinner? Um, and so, so their their powers are seemingly uh, seemingly extending and. They think that this is this is their their job to micromanage every aspect mm-hmm. of people's lives. How would they regulate something the like that? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Well, they they ultimately can't. They, it's a, it's a god complex. They think well, they can mm-hmm. they can they can dispel a virus. They can change the climate. They can they can fix every problem. Yep. And yeah. uh, of course, they they have this idea that they are they are gods mm-hmm. um, and can can change everything and fix everything. That's kind of a scary idea because. They don't have the power nor the wisdom. Well, and everybody to, got the same. Help. Everybody got the same memo because that's the memo we got here yep. in the Midwest, at, all over the country, and and churches in California were trying to meet, and they were going to court to be able to meet. Gee, how did everybody get the same memo? What kind of dictatorship is this? Well, yeah, we saw an abuse of power, mm-hmm. and it's often I don't know about in in Canada, Tim, but in America, it often depended on who was the governor. And right. whether you had a leftist state or a, you know, a red state or a blue state, it often depended on that, the mayor of a certain town or the governor, and they would wield more power. They would try to control the people and really have the harsher restrictions. Did you find that in Canada as well? Yes. No, it is, it is certainly a matter of worldview, and it seems that um, you know, for, those, for those governors or rulers who, who do not believe in God, um, it's essentially, you, you need someone who is going to be the lawgiver, someone who is going to, um, you know, be be head of, of a society of a people. And with no God, well, now now human government becomes mm-hmm. becomes the ruler and the leader, and uh, so their their powers tend to be more tyrannical uh, than those who who respect the idea that there is a God, and uh, and so He has delegated authority to rulers rather than uh, them having some kind of supreme authority over people's lives. Mm-hmm. I had a question for you, Tim. Um, well, first of all, I'm fascinated by how the Lord used you in jail because there's, there's going to be fruit. You know, God's word doesn't return void. But I'm also interested in um, how this was a moment for your kids. How did you mm-hmm. work through yes. this with your family? How are they doing? How were you able to, well, I'm sure they saw the Lord's hand in all this, which is great. But how were you able to minister to your family at that time? Yeah, that's a great question. What we've discovered, whether that's with regard to my own family or to our church, um, or even to the advance of the gospel, you know, faithfulness during time of of persecution and pressure begets fruitfulness. Mm. And and that fruitfulness and that blessing was seen in so many different areas and mm. one of them was the children. Obviously it was so hard for them uh to see their father taken away twice. Um and it was hard for me and for my wife. Uh, to deal with that as well, but what my children have learned through this time, uh, through our own teaching and through through the example of myself and the church, is this, this is what Christianity looks like. Mm. You know, this this last three hundred years that we've had in the Western world, mm. um, where where Christianity has been the dominant cultural influence, and uh, and there was a level of comfortability being a Christian that that is unusual. 
That is that yes. is not yeah. the way the history of the church has been the last two thousand yeah. years. So, so my children know full well what it means to be a Christian, mm. uh, what it means to live for your faith, and then to be willing to suffer the consequences. Mm. So, I think it's actually going to be helpful for them as they grow older, yep. because if if the trajectory continues, it's going to be hard to be a Christian yeah. in twenty, thirty years from now. Yeah. Well, even less the way things are going and the yeah. speed with which things are happening, the acceleration of events and uh, of the the Antichrist worldview, the anti-biblical. Um, Tim, are there any pending lawsuits between you and the government or your church? Um, because I know that you were, I think you won, I know you were acquitted on one charge. And is and at one point we talked about the government uh, maybe holding you and James Coates and Arthur Pulowski and people like that as examples, to make examples out of Christian pastors who wanted to, you know, go against the government. So what are your thoughts on that, and are there any lawsuits pending? And right now, my legal situation is, is actually fairly decent. Uh, there were seven seven charges against me, and most of those ended up being dropped by the government because these laws were rushed in so quickly mm. and they were enforced so sloppily that there was, there was a lot of oversight that they made, which made it hard for them to, uh, to get the prosecution. They really tried to press me to plead guilty Mm. Um, and uh, and I, I refused. I just told my legal team, look, I'm never pleading guilty for any of these fines, no matter how sweet they might make a deal. Um, I, I I don't believe I did anything wrong. I'm standing up for you know our constitutional freedoms. I'm yes. standing up for the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm not I'm not going to plead guilty. And when we just kind of put our foot down and said, no, we're not um, we're not going to play any games. Most most of the charges actually went away, and then. There was a couple that uh, they proceeded in a trial, but the ones that they were trying to pr- uh, prosecute me on was uh, social distancing, not keeping six feet. And but then, in the pictures that they showed to the court, I was behind the pulpit, and the congregation was in their chairs and the seats. And so, the only person that was distance in that picture was actually myself. So the judge actually acquitted me. <laughs> oh my! Um, so I think I had I think I had a favorable judge. Hmm. Um, in that instance, that he he was not buying the narratives that are so prevalent okay. today. Okay. Uh, not others have been so fortunate, but there's only one charge outstanding now against our church that they're that they're threatening you know to proceed with eighty thousand uh, dollars if we don't you know plead guilty and try to get that away. But wow. so we'll, we'll see what happens. It's in the Lord's hands. Yeah, and that uh, God has been so very faithful to us. But I have no doubt that. Uh, that he will win the day. Yeah, the Lord is good. I mean, um, wouldn't it be nice, though, if they would amend the criminal code there to keep this from happening in the first place? I mean, they'll amend the criminal code for equal rights and diversity and all other such things, but I have a feeling that they won't do anything about that. Um, another interesting thing I thought was Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri sent a letter to the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom to add Canada to the watch list. Yeah. Um, yes. Wow, I never thought I would see that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no longer a free country, in other words, right? Yeah. That's insane. No, it was incredible, and I appreciated his his efforts yep. in that area, yeah. because I think part of the reason why the government uh, has backed off of people like myself or James Coates or others here is because of the influence of the United States. Oh. Um, when, it, when it hits American media, that, mm. that tends to have an influence on the politics oh. here in Canada. Oh. Well, for now, anyway, yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, we certainly don't hear a lot yes. from the legacy media, the uh, Marxist or liberal media. 
Um, but we, outlets like us and others, I know Rebel News was doing a great job up there in Canada yeah. getting the word out, and um, yeah. that's why how a lot of us found out yeah. about it. Um, so, Tim, I'm thinking we should make this transition now. There's a very disturbing law in Canada. Um, it's called Made M-A-I-D, Medical Assistance in Dying. And I don't know who sent this to me. This was weeks ago, perhaps, maybe a month ago. Someone sent me a children's workbook, a workbook for kids on MAID, Medical Assistance in Dying. Talk about propaganda trying to reach kids at the youngest ages. So for those of you that are, are, are scratching your heads, what is this? Um, first of all, we have about five states in the country, in, in the United States, that have euthanasia laws. It's legal. Um, but Canada's medical assistance in dying law seeks to respect personal autonomy for those seeking access to MAID. In other words, those who want assistance to die, um, while at the same time protecting vulnerable people and the equality, or yeah, the equality rights of all Canadians. So, Tim, walk us through this because this is federally funded, I believe, and it's a nationwide in Canada program. Correct? Yeah, this is nationwide, federally funded. And really, the the whole MAID acronym or medical assistance in dying is just is just trying to put a nice face on mm-hmm. euthanasia, on on assisted suicide. That's that's really what this this law, this bill, uh, is all about. And it really began in 20, 2015, Whenever there was someone who wanted to have their doctor uh, assist them in their own death, and uh, we had laws against that in this country. And so it went all the way up to the Supreme Court of Canada, and the Supreme Court of Canada voted unanimously. That, that laws preventing doctor-assisted suicide were, were unconstitutional because of our, of our right to liberty. Hmm. And so they, they uh, determined that the right to liberty included the right to uh, kill yourself and not have, have the government stand in the way. Um, and so that was unanimous across, across the board of our, of our court. And then the next year, our government passed laws called the Medical Assistance in Dying that, that sought to, to regulate that. And of course, all these all these ideas always start small and then mm-hmm. then grow. And so they said, well, we're going to put up lots of safeguards in. This is only going to be limited to a, just a few people who are, you know, in excruciating agony. They're right at the end of life. Their death is imminent. Um, but since that time, those laws have been expanded. So so today, even if even if someone's death is not reasonably foreseeable, uh, they can still apply and, and have a doctor give approval um, for them to be assisted in death. Wow. And uh, so those, those safeguards continue to erode. In fact, there was headlines here because in March of this year, um, medical assistance in dying was to be available to to those who are dealing with mental illness. Um, wow. So e- even if someone is, even if someone is dealing with depression, you know, they could, they could apply for medical assistance in dying. And, and we have people pushing here for mature minors, those between the ages of 14 and 17. They ought to be able to access it. Um, and so there's a real, a real culture hmm. of death here in Canada. Yep. Wow. And, and to give you, you, you mentioned there's a few states in, in the U.S. Yes. where this is legalized, and, and California is one of them. It's, you know, it's one of your states that is in many ways similar to Canada, very progressive. Yep. But in, in 2021... 486 people in California use their state-assisted suicide. Uh, the same year in Canada, and Canada has actually a smaller population than California, but very, but similar. 
Uh, but the same year in Canada, 2021, more than 10,000 people here uh, killed themselves at the hands of the doctor. Wow. So it's, it's not just allowed by the government, but it seems that it is, it is wanted by the people. You know, that this is, this is something that is in, in, the, in the blood. It is in the ideas here yeah. in Canada well, um, that, that to die is to die with dignity. And that's to, to kill yourself by the hands of a doctor. That's more dignified than, than allowing a natural death. Mm-hmm. Well, and the slippery slope here is the, the mental illness. Uh, that's pretty broad. There. It's very broad. And who decides that? And, oh, what if you're a Christian and you are deemed mentally ill at some point? I mean, this, there is no end of the evil that could result from something like this, don't you think? I mean, if if uh, if our lives and our diagn- you know us being diagnosed a certain way because we are believers and we're we're you know messing up the world and we're messing up these agendas here, who's to say that we're not mentally ill enough to just have our lives taken? Mm-hmm. No, that's right. There's one doctor here um, in, the, in the city of Vancouver, British Columbia, who who's boasted publicly about how many people that she's killed through this, these laws, and she's killed 400 people. Yeah. And, uh, and for someone elsewhere in the country where, where they can't find a doctor near them uh, who would take their application for assistance in dying, then, then she'll have them flown out to her clinic and she'll kill them. And, uh, and so there's, there's some people here willing to take advantage. And, and so um, it's, it's, you know, when I, when I studied this out a few weeks ago, just to kind of get myself updated, up to date on this, and it was it was very depressing and hard to mm-hmm. to consider um, just just how ideas have so bred in our country where there is such a a darkness and uh, and, it, and it brings culture of death all around us. Mm. So Tim, you mentioned something that's very interesting. I don't remember how you phrased it, but it was almost you said it's in people's blood, it's in people's thoughts. It's something like part of a worldview that says they can decide, they can be God, and yet they've, in a way, you almost have to redefine dignity to get to this point where you're saying death the way I, on my terms, right, that's dignified. Um, isn't that interesting? Yeah, you see, in our, in our country, it seems like there's been, been a push to deal with, and it's, I think it's the same in yours, uh, a push to deal with these these ideas that are, that are essentially anti-God, mm-hmm. anti-Christian, mm-hmm. and to push these ideas into the minds of the youth, of our children, yes. you know, and and then as these children begin to grow up, you, you reap the consequences of that unchristian, the anti-God worldview, and that's what we're seeing in our country. And so, so the leaders of our country now have are, are the product of really the shift in our country that happened in the sixties and seventies where there is a deliberate shift from our Christian foundation into this new idea of a progressive, liberal uh, a way of life where, we're, where God doesn't exist and, and where we as humanity will, will achieve the next level. Um, and so there's a, there's a number of ideas that have, are now in the blood. They're, they're in our minds. They're deep-rooted. They're, they're unquestionable. And... And so it, it results now in the idea that we as humans, you know, we're, we're in complete control. And I'm, I'm going to die on, on my terms. Um, we, we don't have a sense of the sanctity of life. Mm-hmm. And so if someone is, is suffering, we have, we have no sense that there actually can be a purpose to suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. We have um, someone when they're 
when they've maybe lost some of their mental faculties or maybe lost the use of their legs like, as if that quality of life is not a life worth living because there's there's a, a complete misunderstanding of what it means to be a person, what it means to be a human, yep. because we've, we've lost the whole idea of the image of God in man. Yes. And, uh, and so what, what's scary is when you have people who, um, who are now in power who will then be the ones who determine what it means to be a person and what, what it means to have a quality of life uh, that, is, that is up to the standard. And, and when you fall below that, now you're, you're, not, you're not a life worth living. Mm-hmm. That's, that's scary in my mind. We've had experts um, give counsel to our government. Um, and these happen in some of these committee me- meetings as they, as they work on these laws where they essentially say, well, the, the needs should also be offered to uh, parents with, with children up to one year old, if there's any kind of birth defect after birth, um, those, those children should die because they're not really persons yet because they don't have the same cognitive ability as an adult. And they use the same logic that is used uh, for pro-abortion activists. Yep. So essentially, that, that fetus in the womb is not a person. It's, it's a potential person. <laughs> uh, it, it hasn't yet become a, a real person yet. And so what's to stop them from saying, oh, a child that's uh, 10 months old is, uh, is not a real person yet. And so we ought to dispatch of them, de- deal with them like we would deal with medical waste mm-hmm. because, well, there's some kind of deficiency in them. And these are the things we've we've learned about. I've learned about, you know, that previous cultures did that we called it barbaric and cruel. Yes. But yet it's it's being coded today with a whole sense of mercy and of dignity. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're really on top of the language. Compassion too. Try right? to sugarcoat. Yeah. Try to sugarcoat. <clears throat> really, this 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 killing. You know, yeah. um, it makes me think. Even with Germany during the during World War II and during the Holocaust, you know, how, how could a modern civilized country, you know, kill millions and millions of people? Well, it starts with bad ideas. That's right. Like we see breeding in our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're, we're not, we're not far away in my opinion no. of, yeah. of mass killings in that scale because the, the ideas are there. They're in our schools. Yeah. They're in our rulers' minds. And so it's just going to continue to bear its ugly fruit. Yeah, I'm thinking, too, about life in America. It's so sterilized, you know, and, and people don't have any coping skills. They have no sense of what's real, which is illness and death and funerals and all these sort of things. It's interesting. I've been working at a church for many, many years, and I've noticed over the years the change in how people approach funerals and how many of the generation younger than I do not know how to handle themselves at a funeral. Mm. They don't know how to dress. They don't know how to be reverent. They don't know anything and i think that parents have not passed along the proper life skills they try to coddle them you know and they oh life is you know if we just do this and this and this you'll be fine you'll be okay but don't don't you think that people are just they just don't have any coping skills and so this is how they're over responding to death and illness possibly in especially in this country mm-hmm. no i agree and at the same time as they don't know how to cope with any of those issues um our government has been been very key to, to seek to, to push these ideas through education others. You, you mentioned this this activity book for children yes. about medical assistance in dying. And mm-hmm. if you if you read through that, it's the whole idea of trying to, to normalize assisted suicide. Yes. And and try to suppress the voice inside of the child that would say when grandma wants to kill herself, that would say in that child, No, this is wrong. This is not right. Mm-hmm. This this shouldn't happen. 
And so at a very early age, mm-hmm. they're trying to suppress, you know, the, the, the natural God-given inclinations we have towards life. Um, and, and they're really trying to, to normalize this. And even our government recently, you know, they've, they've committed lots, lots of money. They, they, they've, they funded this, this activity book uh, to be put out there. And, uh, and they've, they've committed to spend $100 million you know, over the next five years to, to advance the whole LGBTQ um, plus you know, activism and, and get that out there and to make sure that people are really on board with these ideas that they're promoting. And so the government is using all of its power, uh, its funding, to advance these ideas. And so in, in one sense, so many people are just are being carried along by these waves. And, uh, and are not hearing anything um, opposed to those, those ideas. And so mm-hmm. they, they don't have the ability to cope. They don't have the ability to, to question what is going on. Mm-hmm. They, just, they just assume this is, this is right. This, mm-hmm. is, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. We're going to tackle that in the next segment. We've got five more minutes before we have to take a break. And I just wanted to clarify something that for people wondering, um, there are two options for medical assistance in dying, and one is a physician or nurse practitioner that gives you an injection, directly administers a substance that causes death. And the second is um, a that you can have something the person can take on their own. Um, so these things are disturbing, but, but Tim, how did you approach this? You preached on this, you said, a couple weeks ago, in uh, or maybe it was last Sunday, the Sunday before, and particularly this trying to capture the minds and the worldview of children by saying mm-hmm. this is okay since there is no god we can decide on these things first of all how did you approach that when you brought this to your congregation well i think it's important on this subject and other subjects too is because these ideas are now so embedded in the minds of the culture around us if you don't actually address those poisonous ideas if you just present the positive case what the bible says about um, dignity about, about the sanctity of life, that then we, we may be having a difficult time of, of trying to actually penetrate someone's mind. And so how I dealt with it in, in my, my sermon was, was first to, to lay out the ideas that have been so prevalent in our society that have led to this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the, the whole idea of, of, of secularism has really Ought to get rid of the voice of the church and the voice of God in, in areas of the public sphere. And so now areas like medical assistance and dying that are legislated by the government, well, the argument is, well, the church has no, no business in the life of the state. And so it, it's, a, it's a misunderstanding of the whole idea of separation of church and state that was, that was designed to protect the church from yep. the government, not the other way around. Yes, amen. And, and it doesn't mean that, that God doesn't have a voice in all areas, in all facets of life. But there's this, this idea that we'll know that the Church and, and God doesn't have any, any say in some of these, these issues of le- legislation. And then there's other ideas that are prevalent. Um, you know, the, the right, um, the right to, to free choice mm-hmm. is, is unquestioned in our day that we are, we are autonomous, we are essentially our own, our own gods, and if, and if we want to to kill ourselves, then, then we should be allowed to do it, and you ought to respect my choice. Mm. That idea is so ingrained in yeah. our society. Yeah. But what people don't realize is that our, our choices are not as free as, as we think they are. Right. You know, when you just con- consider someone who's been in a nursing home the last three years and, 
and maybe two of those three years have been under COVID lockdown when they haven't seen anybody of loving, uh, loving family or friends. Mm-hmm. Well, every person they see is gowned up and has a mask over their face. Uh, they're told that, that dignity is actually dying, that they're, they're in this, they're in this home because their life is, is not worth living. You know, they have, they have no contribution to society. They're actually a burden upon society. They're a burden upon the system. They're a burden upon the family. And then they choose death. And we wonder, like, ah, that was, that was a, a free choice according to our society today. But if you compare that to how things were, um, in a, in a Christian ideal, we have, are elderly cared for by their, by their children, by their loved ones, and, and they're, uh, they're told how, how valuable they are. They're, they're, they're a part of the family. They're, they're, they're sought for their wisdom, for their experience, uh, for the stories that they tell about the past. And, and in that case, they choose life. Mm. And so both are free choices, but, but both choices are so influenced by the culture and the circumstance around them. And so it's so important for people to recognize that this whole idea of free choice is really can sometimes be a red herring yep. um, just because of the influences that we, that we live in today. Um, yeah. And so, so those are some of the ideas that, that unless you address, you know, where do, where do we get our morality from? You know, where, who, who defines quality of life? Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who defines what is a person? Mm-hmm. Um, unless some of those ideas are challenged, then when we present the biblical idea the, the Bible's ideas might be outright, outright rejected. Mm. Friends, our guest today is Pastor Tim Stevens of Fairview Baptist Church in Calgary, uh, one of our Canadian friends who we love having on the podcast. Great perspective. And when we come back, we're going to shift gears and talk about the government in Canada promising $100 million to advance the LGBTQ agenda. And, of course, they're already doing that in America. They're finding different ways to do evil. That's coming up next. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Well, Pastor Tim Stevens preached on Romans 6.23 where it says, The wages of sin is death. And he looked at the ideas underlying the LGBTQ plus movement and how they can be embraced by the church. And we've seen it in America seeker-sensitive churches, churches that think think they're doing a service by being, quote, welcoming, or they're, they're pushing diversity or inclusion, but they're looking at it wrongly, and they're thinking, okay, we, we've got to accommodate sin in order to be welcoming or promote diversity and inclusion, like DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. But Tim, this is one of the worldviews. It's antichrist. It's, it's demonic when you remove God and then anything goes. And Canada's first federal 2S LGBTQI plus action plan. Walk us through this, please. Yeah, the whole idea of this 2S LGBTQ plus action plan, you know, the government has committed $100 million over the next five years to, to advance the, the LGBTQ agenda. The, the idea is that the government is seeking to say, well, in, in the past we've We've, in, in their view, modernized our laws uh, to uh, to allow gay marriage, uh, to essentially add, you know, transgenderism and another as as protected uh, under under our our civil rights, our constitution, and so we've essentially now what we need to do in the future 
it is not only just allow homosexuality, not only allow gay marriage and allow transgenderism, but, but now we ought to go forward and to, to advance these ideas so that we, we, we rid ourselves, rid the society of these antiquated, harmful views uh, that, we would, that we would call traditional views, you know, biblical views. Mm-hmm. And so they've already passed laws here saying that these are, these are harmful myths and stereotypes. That, that really need to uh, be uprooted from our society if they're going to have a, a fully equitable, prosperous society in the future. And so they're, they're using the power and, and the money of government to try to advance these, these ungodly ideas. It also says um, that they want more access to federal services. Don't they already, as yeah, citizens, really. have access to federal services? I mean, as a heterosexual, what if I want more access to federal services? Well, they would just laugh. Different but, services. Right. It's so hip- hypocritical, and, and that's not even the best word here. What they do behind closed doors somehow now requires to be funded. I still yes, yes. do not get that. Yeah, so every every kind of, you know, whether it's a sex change surgery or or other things that, that might aid someone in the LGBTQ lifestyle, the government wants to fund that. And at the same time, uh, they're cutting any kind of funding or any kind of charitable status for groups like pregnancy care centers, uh, groups that, that advocate um, against some of these things. And so wow. um, I'm, I'm sure soon churches will be on the, on, on the docket if they speak out against these things as, right. as having their charitable status removed. And so mm-hmm. they're really trying to use... Uh, Money and uh, and those that government access to, to to penalize one group and then to promote another group. So I just want to quote Emperor Trudeau real quick. He said, um, "Prime Minister <laughs> Justin Trudeau, this will guide our ongoing work to fight discrimination, break down barriers, to advance rights, and to build a future where everyone in Canada is truly free to be who they are and." Love whom they love. End quote. Pastor Tim Stevens, there's a lot in there to unpack, and I see a couple words that they redefined, uh, redefined on their terms. Um, but interesting, who would not want to fight discrimination? Who would not want to break down barriers? Who would not to want to adv- advance the rights of citizens and build a, a free future there in Canada? And, and who would not want to just be allowed to love who they want to love? So they make it sound like uh, these are all good things, but... Talk about their approach and their redefinition of these ideas. Well, obviously the language is is said in such a way where it seems seems so positive. It seems such a mm-hmm. um, such a bright and, and sunny way to put it. <laughs> Even within that statement, you know, there is there are bounds to that. Does that mean that we shouldn't discriminate against a pedophile who who wants to have sex with children? Great you know, uh, that's that's whom, whom they love, mm. and, and of course that wow. is still. Um, at least, at least in some degree, um, still, still culturally inappropriate. And so, even even in their their definition, they're always they're always so vague, and, and throw throw a, a blanket to to confuse what is what is really going on. Uh, and what is going on is not the idea to, to love uh, who you love, and especially if that is uh, you know traditional marriage and and promoting that. Uh, this is this is the whole idea of. Of promoting um, sex and relationships that are that are outside the bounds of, of God's rule of God's law mm-hmm. that will that will then lead to the to the breakdown of society where where the government actually gets more and more more and more control more and more authority. You know, the when we have strong families, 
and uh, you will have, by default, uh, a strong society that will that will resist some of the tyranny of the government. Now, the government would love everyone if they were single, uh, everyone if they were promiscuous. Um, there, there's no, there's no pr- protection there. There's, mm. there's no strength there, and so they they could do whatever they want in that kind of that kind of society. And uh, so there's 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 so many ideas that they're seeking to promote under that cloak of of love and uh, giving themselves a discrimination, where where they in fact are discriminating against Christians and discriminating against those who would who would value traditional marriage and would want to teach their kids uh, their own values. You know, those all people are being discriminated against in in our country, even even with his bright and pretty language. So. I want to follow up on something you said um, about the love whom they want to love. And then I want to ask about this 2S because we, a lot of people haven't heard what that is. So um, when they redefined the Supreme Court here in America, same-sex marriage, to be, quote, the law of the land, even though the Supreme Court does not legislate, and they struck down um, gay marriage bans across the country, um, they said, no, we, you want to the, all they want to do is love who they want to love. What's wrong with that? This is one of the things they pushed, Tim. And again, you mentioned dignity and compassion, and these are some of the things they were promoting so that they can love who they want to love. But now that was in 2015, and just last year, which was seven years later, less than 1% of same-sex couples in America are married since that Supreme Court decision. So you're going, wait a minute. You would think that there'd be hundreds of thousands. You would think the LGBTQ couples would go, you know, confirm their unions. They go to the, the courts. They would go get married. and But they didn't because it's not about marriage. Certainly not about God-ordained marriage between one man and one woman, but it's not about marriage. It's about a lifestyle and a behavior that they want to be free to do whatever they want to do. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, this, this, is, this is not about a, a positive vision of culture, of marriage, of human flourishing. The, the whole LGBTQ movement is about the destruction of a Christian society, of, mm-hmm. of traditional marriage. Because even within itself, like the, the L and the G and the B and the T and the Q, they're actually self-contradictory. You know, what does it mean to be, um, you know, non-binary and transgender when you have, when you have a lesbian who's attracted to a woman attracted to other woman? When there's no such thing as as woman, so th- these these letters are actually self-contradictory and self-refuting, and yet they are together in an alliance, and we always say them together because well, they're in alliance against Western Christian culture. Yes. That's mm-hmm. that's their goal to, to mm-hmm. tear down and to destroy, and what we and we see that in our society today. And so mm. there is there's much more sexual freedom today. There's much more of this idea of free love. There's a lot less discrimination than there was 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. But is, is our society now, is, is, it, is it safer? Is, mm-hmm. it, is it better? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I beg to, to disagree. I think most parents have a hard time even sending their kids to the, to the park down the street. Yes. They're, they're afraid of some, some predator coming to, to nab, nab their kids because mm-hmm. this whole idea of sexual, uh, gratifying your sexual desires has become the fulfillment of your life and you're, you're a happy, well-adjusted person if you can satisfy your sexual desires. It's a right. It's open the door to all kinds of corruption. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as more and more um, aberrant practices get included in this alphabet soup, I mean, I think we're up to 10 letters now, but I noticed <laughs> there was, uh, well, I have LGBTQQIP2S, 
AA. Could you tell us, Tim, what the two S means? Well, here in Canada, we have uh, Aboriginals or, or Indigenous, um, you know, natives. The, the folks that were that representative of those who were here before, you know, uh, Europeans came to uh, to found Canada, and so in in that kind of um, the spiritism and, and their their religion, what they would call a non-binary person or one who's a who's a transgender, they would call them a, a two spirit. That's mm-hmm. so there's there's a, a spirit of a man and a spirit of a woman both both within them, and so that's how they define that. That's one of the curious things that we see here in Canada is um, Christianity is bad. You know, for instance, you, you can't you can't pray in schools. Um, there, there's no scripture in schools. You know, that's 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 bad. That's offensive. And yet, in schools today, there's a, a real promotion of of spiritism of this you know this mm. indigenous animism. You know, there's different different rites and ceremonies that they'll do in the schools. Again, because this is this is meant to be. Uh, a destruction of of the Christian culture that that around us that we have inherited. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for that explanation, Tim. Um, two things come to mind here, and I know on the fifteenth you were talking about the wages of sin being death, and then also um, four words that you don't want to read about yourself. God gave them over. Ooh. And God gave them over to a depraved mind. And we're talking about this death culture, and it's dawning on me the wages of sin being death. Um, you know, are they spending their wages ahead of time? We have this death culture going on. And also, could you talk a little bit about uh, what it means that of God giving them over? Are we actually seeing that happen now in the cultures around the world? Yeah, when you read Romans 1, it talks about how God's wrath is being revealed today. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not a future wrath, it's a present wrath. And that wrath mm-hmm. is seen in, in not his... Not, not some kind of uh, lightning bolt coming down from heaven to, to strike the sinner, but it's it's seen in God letting the sinner um, have what the sinner wants. Yeah, free will. Which which leads to their destruction and death. Mm-hmm. You know, God God just lets them go. And what is described in Romans one is homosexuality, and it talks about a debased mind, a corrupt mind. And I think that is a fitting description of what we see today. Yeah. Homosexuality is rampant. A corruptness of mind. We don't even know what male and female is anymore. Um, and so this is the corruption that has pervaded our society. It is not something that is here that is signaling that God's wrath will come. It's something that is here signaling that God's wrath is here. Mm. This, is, this is God's judgment on our society. Mm. And, and it's leading to the corruption of children. Um, it's leading to brokenness in relationships, such pain, such sorrow, mm. and, and this culture of, culture of death. Mm. Uh, and so whether that's the AIDS pandemic, whether it's other sexually transmitted diseases, this, this is all the, the bitter fruit, the poisonous fruit of a rejection of God and a suppression of the truth. And so God is letting us, as a society, um, reap what we've sown. Yes. Mm. We are in an ABC society in America, North America, anything but Christ. And as you said, one of the takeaways from this podcast was earlier in the first segment when you said, you know, the persecution that that has generally been the reality for Christians around the world for centuries is now starting to seep into the West where we're seeing, okay, we've, we've had our reprieve or we've had our time of uh, religious freedom. And even though there are still laws on the books or a constitution say a certain thing, the First Amendment here in America, um, we, these things are being redefined and words are being used against us. And, 
and they are promoting other ideologies and worldviews. So, Tim, if you could say something to some of the pastors who are listening and also those who are listening that are uh, a little bit overwhelmed by the direction of the governments in the direction of our churches, let's just be honest, because our churches, um, there's a lot of compromise. There's a lot of trying to please the world rather than seeking the approval of God and to please Christ. So if you could offer some encouragement to people to stand, to fight the good fight, to do what they need to do in these coming days, months, years, however long we are here before Jesus returns or the Lord takes us home, um, just share your heart to some people that are listening that really need some perspective, uh, spiritual perspective. I think it's important to recognize that the, the church's silence is actually license uh, for these ideas to continue to, to breed its, its bitter and poisonous fruit in our society. Mm-hmm. And so, so the church has been entrusted with the Word of God and to promote the truth of God. And so in one sense it's been said that the church is the conscience of the nation. Uh, I, I like the idea that the church is the prophetic voice. Uh, we're like those Old Testament prophets going up to that ungodly king and yes. saying, King, thus says the Lord. Yep. Uh, you need to repent. Here's what, here's what God is, is saying to you. And so the church has that, that role. And, and we're embroiled in a battle. Mm-hmm. This is a spiritual battle. This is not a battle of flesh and blood. This, yes. is, this is not something where you need to, you know, you need more guns, you need more swords. It's a, not, it's a battle of ideas. And so it's going to be fought with words. Mm. And that's what our society has done so very well. Even as you read from, from Justin Trudeau, the, the words that they use are, are, are so well thought out to, to advance mm-hmm. their ideas and for their agenda. And so this is the word battle that we're in. And so we must use our words. We must speak truth with clarity. And as churches, we must, we must equip our people because they're out there in the workplace when suddenly Joe one day wants to be called Sally and, uh, and use a lady's bathroom. And so what, what do you say? Uh, and so if our, if our church members are not equipped to deal with that, um, then, then we're going to be powerless to, to even stand up against this. So it's so important that, that we equip our own people, and then the pastor ought to lead with an, as an example of, of how to engage with us politicians, whether that's the, the culture or society around us, how, how to engage in these ideas such that we're speaking God's truth. Mm-hmm. And on the, on the Day of Judgment, God finds us faithful. And, and not ones who have shrunk back and been ashamed of him um, and his truth. Pastor Tim, before we let you go, are there, have you had any follow-up conversations of anyone you spoke with in prison or shared the gospel with? And you might even want to share one of those experiences, and if you've had any follow-up with any of those that you spoke with. Yeah, I've had some follow-up with some of the, some of the men I was in prison with, uh, especially uh, as, as soon as they... As soon as they got out, um, I had a, a few interactions with, I think, three, three different of the men. Hmm. But the, the sad thing is the, the draw of sin hmm. and, uh, and with its hooks that's sunk into uh, these men, it, it pulls them away from, from truth, and they get right back into the same, the same sin that had landed them into jail the first time. Hmm. Um, but it, it, it was a wonderful opportunity to be in there, at that time, and, and I hope that still some, some seeds have been planted yes. into those men and the hearts of those men that God would use uh, to grant repentance and faith. Mm. Well, some plant and some water, and God causes the growth, right? right. 
So, Pastor Tim Stevens, thank you for your time today. It's always a blessing to catch up with you, brother. Thank you for just being being a godly leader and for uh, striving to obey God and not man in the way you run your church and and uh, whose authority uh, you answer to. So, brother, thank you. God bless you, sir. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, David. Thank you, Mary. Okay, so one of the things uh, we just got a few minutes here before we wrap it up, and one of the things I wanted to to mention. He mentioned how Justin Trudeau and their government are using words and you know compassion, dignity, and all these inclusion and equity, mm-hmm. and they're purposefully taking out, removing certain words, and they're purposely injecting their words. Well, I want to give you an example, friends, of something very simple. If you've been paying attention at all, you probably didn't hear this, but Kamala Harris was speaking on the uh, 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And, um, of course, she toes the Biden administration line of abortion at, 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 for any cause, at any length of pregnancy. And she leaves God and the right to life out of the Declaration of Independence. That's right. She f- refused to say creator. She refused to say right to life when quoting the declaration. Now, I mean, it was a pro-abortion speech, so I understand how if you're touting that worldview, Mary, you don't want to point to a, re- a creator who really, he makes us in his image. Every life is created in God's image and has value. Every single human life, from the womb to the tomb, mm-hmm. still has value. Our value does not decrease if we are under God. So, of course, the Democrats can't use that language. They can't point to the word God. I found that to be fascinating, and I'll let you comment, Mayor, because at the same time, a Marist College poll came out, almost 70% of Americans support banning abortions uh, or limiting abortions up to a certain degree. That's up from 62% six or so months ago. So more people are seemingly saying, the the radical left Democrat agenda of abortion up until birth, and some would say even after, because they do not support the Born Alive Infant Protection Act, where if a baby survives a botched abortion, whether it's a saline abortion or something else, if a baby survives, most of the Democrats would say, no, we just, we just let it die. Mm-hmm. Let it sit on a table and cry on this mm-hmm. those cold steel Stainless steel tables and you're not supposed to give it any aid if you're a nurse. And for nurses, someone in the healthcare profession, that must be a little heartbreaking. Yeah. To see that. This is a, this is their worldview. It's warped. Mm-hmm. And so here it is. And I don't know how many people caught that because they're so good at changing the language when they're even talking about the Declaration of Independence, Mayor. Yeah, and let let me just add tragedy upon tragedy <laughs> here. Um, I we're talking about the death culture today with Tim and I don't necessarily at this point if 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 God is giving people over that's not going to be pretty so if we're talking about the world in 2023 I don't expect much of the world but think about this if we add a layer of this how many liberal churches now have jumped on the bandwagon and they're changing the vocabulary of life too the, mm. the social justice churches they're yes. using the same verbiage that the world is using and I, I worry about well I do the the denominations out there that are have gone the way of the world and you know the true church few there be that find it narrow is the way um, and so the church is going to be very very small in these last days but I think about as you're talking I'm thinking about yeah, but the church, uh, 
visible church, let's talk about the, the visible church in the world, is going the same way. And that is almost more disturbing to me simply because, like I said, I don't expect much of the world in these dark right, days. But, right, right. but the whole lukewarm church and those pastors, I wanted to kind of ask Tim, well, what would you say to those pastors, lukewarm the churches, lukewarm ones yeah. who are nowhere near uh, preaching uh, a, a solid sermon on a Sunday morning? It's just getting darker. Yeah. Um, one of the things I'm looking into to write about next week is Andy Stanley and some of the things that he's mm. been saying oh recently. He's He's strayed so far. Um, it's so sad because his his dad, Charles Stanley, was a solid preacher for many, many years. And he often spoke out against uh, the left and socialism and uh, these, these warped ideas. So um, anyway, Joe Biden, um, a couple weeks ago, he was deceiving a church. He spoke. He had the pulpit at Martin Luther King Jr.'s church in oh, Atlanta. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And he was Surprise. talking about the, quote, gospel. <laughs> Oh, of works. It was works righteousness. Oh, so it wasn't the gospel of faith. Mm-hmm. We are not saved by faith through in Jesus Christ alone. So they were preaching uh, social justice, activism. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know that's, that's that aligns with the leftist worldview. So mm-hmm. we've just got two minutes left, friends, but I just want to encourage you. Um, we have s- such a responsibility here as what I refer to, you can give me another word. I've been using the word remnant for so long. But there is a remnant of true believers in North America. Pat, look at Pastor Tim Stevens and, and yeah. some others up there. M- minority, mind you. Mm-hmm. But here in America, in the United States, even in some of these churches, there are some strong churches, strong believers. We need more of them. But we need to encourage one another yeah. because times are getting darker. Right, we mm-hmm. need to encourage one another, like what Tim said. Obviously, though it manifests, these things manifest in the natural realm. Our struggle is not against mm-hmm. flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. And we need uh, we need to constantly remember that we need to walk in the light, um, as he is in the light, and not and and not get discouraged by this because I think we we all know this was going to happen. We didn't know how much of this we were going to see and that's no. the grievous part of exactly. all this. Is to have to behold this darkness and yet we're here for a reason. God has Amen. us here for a reason. And when you said earlier, you know, what what our grandparents or great grandparents would say <laughs> if they could somehow be revived for 24 hours and live in this day and time, mm-hmm. they I don't think they can handle it. No. But, Mayor, I'm not sure if we could handle going through things like the Great Depression or the World War, other things mm-hmm. like that. So we are here, friends, for such a time as this. So, God, teach us to number our days that we might gain hearts of wisdom. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow, it's uh, Pastor's End of the Week, Pastor's Week. Paul Blair, he's one of the bold men of God of Liberty Pastors. He founded Liberty Pastors, and he's a senior pastor of Fairview. Another Fairview, that's funny. Fairview Baptist Church. This one's in Edmond, Oklahoma. And what an amazing man of God. I've been personally encouraged by him and just strengthened in my faith by him and his co-pastor, Dan. Uh, Just love these men. So we'll get an update on Paul Blair and Liberty Pastors, the conferences they have. They're trying to attract pastors to equip pastors who have not been equipped by the seminaries, and they're getting too much influence compromise of what's going on in our culture. So he's encouraging them to stand strong. So it's tomorrow, Pastor Paul Blair. Thank you guys again for tuning in and especially for your prayers and sharing the podcast. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.